This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Randy Zuckerberg Means Business on Business Radio. We're going to talk about the current landscape in the Middle East. We're going to go right to Afghanistan after 20 years of United States occupation. We're now facing incredible uncertainty in the region, especially with women in regards to their future. With that, I'm thrilled to welcome Farnaz Fasihi, reporter with The New York Times, a war correspondent for 15 years who has covered the war in Afghanistan. Farnaz, thank you so much for being here with me. Uh, Thank you for having me, Randy. Can you talk a bit about the current landscape in Afghanistan? What What is going on, especially from the perspective of women there? Well, from the perspective of women, the gains that they had made in 20 years, the promises that they had been given, that their rights would, uh, that they would have rights, they would have basic rights of education, of working, of having a voice in society, have overnight uh, evaporated and are at serious uh, threat because uh, an, an Islamist government, the Taliban, have taken over. They have a precedent where uh, 20 years ago where they were in power, uh, women were uh, not allowed to work. They were not allowed to go to school. They were not even allowed to be seen by male doctors. Then women doctors couldn't work, so their health care was jeopardized. And uh, women remember that. And, and they're not, and they've also uh, see what kind of gains they've made in the past 20 years. And, and they're devastated, absolutely devastated. Wow. I mean, it's it's just devastating to watch uh, everything that's going on. I'm wondering, let's if we can go back 20 years, um, you know, first of all, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how kind of U.S. perception of the region has changed and returned and evolved uh, evolved over the last 20 years and you know what what it's been like covering uh, Afghanistan for a US audience Well, I mean, I got to Afghanistan uh, a few weeks uh, after September 11. I was uh, I covered the attacks on the World Trade Center from the foot of the towers and when um, it became um, evident that uh, the US was going to invade Afghanistan, I went to Afghanistan and uh, got to Herat uh, a few days after the Taliban fell. And um, for me as a reporter, tracing uh, this evolution of when I got there, that the war had happened, Taliban had fell, and focusing on just the women. Every interview that I um, did with women, the women were uh, were happy. It was full of, the, it was an era, it was a time of uh, opportunity and promise. They felt like they had been liberated uh, from uh, rulers that had uh, captivated them like hostages, right? Uh, so m- 20 years ago, my notebook was full of, uh, you know, voices of women who thought that they now have opportunity to uh, actually live in a society as e- as human beings, right? They could go to the doctor, they could go to the shop, they could go to school. Uh, and to track the gains for 20 years, and then suddenly now, 20 years later, uh, to do the same interviews, to have every every morning when I get up, my uh, phone, my WhatsApp uh, application is full of voice messages and text messages from uh, Afghan friends and sources and women, athletes, journalists, 
uh, aid workers uh, who are leaving me messages saying uh, everything is finished, our lives is over, we have no hope, everything that we knew, everything we had worked for uh, has ended. Their best hope is try to be evacuated and leave Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if, even that as a refugee is an uncertain future. Um, it's not ideal. But if they stay, then what kind of a future they feel like they're they're in the tunnel. So as a journalist, it's um, it's sad to see the cyclical cycle, right? And, and I think for um, for many of us who were on the ground, we had realized that the war of terror uh, was not really about uh, was about U.S.'s national interest. It really wasn't about you know the U.S. didn't go to war in Afghanistan. Uh, to liberate women, right? This was a this this was an added benefit of the war. They went to, to the U.S. invaded Afghanistan uh, to um, target Al Qaeda because of September 11th, the, the Taliban, which were sheltering Al Qaeda, and as as a result of that, because this. This uh, government, Islam extremist government, um, to- was toppled. Women gained some rights, right? They, they, but they had bought into this idea that the U.S. will protect them, and they absolutely feel abandoned. They, they, I can't tell you how many Afghans, men and women, tell me that we can't trust the U.S. anymore. We can't trust anybody anymore. They, they told us we will not abandon you, that we will have you, and now we're, you know, left basically uh, in the hands of. Uh, of these rulers with a very unclear, dark future. For anyone who's just joining us, you're listening to Randy Zuckerberg Means Business here in Sirius XM 132 Business Radio. I'm speaking right now with Farnaz Fasihi, New York Times reporter. Um, I'm curious your thoughts. I mean, now that the United States no longer has a military presence, do you think we'll see a a complete return to where the region was 20 years ago. Do you think, uh, what What are some of the biggest concerns that you have? I, I think uh, if you're, uh, for Afghanistan particularly, I think the biggest concern uh, from a security standpoint, there are two concerns. One is security and one is human rights and women's rights and what will happen. From a security standpoint, the exit of the U.S. from Afghanistan uh, and the return of the Taliban uh, creates this environment where uh, we already know that ISIS for us on a branch of uh, ISIS is operating there. As we saw, they were able to attack the airport in the middle of U.S. military evacuation evacuations. One of the one of the threats is that uh, terrorists will uh, gain a foothold uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, that they will be able to um, find a place where they can launch and plan and plot attacks and further destabilize the region. That's one of the one of the serious threats. The other threat is what will happen to uh, the people of Afghanistan. What will happen to all the uh, gains and all the uh, advances that women have made and and young people have made, uh, and whether you know Afghanistan will slip into another civil war of multiple fronts. Whether you're going to have the Taliban and uh, and the resistance in the Panjshir Valley fighting, whether you're going to have uh, ISIS or terrorists fighting with the Taliban or Panjshir. So there's really a risk of uh, uh, of a return to um, a, a scenario where there's civil war, there's a vacuum of power, there's pockets, territorial pockets that are controlled by uh, by ISIS terrorists. It, it um, remains to be seen, but it is a very serious threat. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think social and feminist movements internationally can do in solidarity at this moment that would be the most helpful? 
Well, we've seen in the past couple of days extreme bravery from Afghan women coming out into the streets, chanting freedom, freedom in Kabul, in Herat, in Badakhshan, in different cities, and Taliban beating them up, firing into the air. Uh, and I think um, in, in terms of solidarity, I think trying to be their voice, trying to, uh, through activism, put pressure on governments to not abandon Afghan women, to make sure that they get the those who need that, who are at risk and need to be evacuated, uh, get evacuated, and uh, through whatever means they have, if they're in dialogue with the Taliban, whatever means they have, whether to put it pressure on them to make sure that they uh, at least abide by uh, some sort of rules and regulations regarding women. I mean, you know, Afghan people are not buying this idea that the Taliban have reformed, that the Taliban are uh, are not what they used to be, um, despite, you know, the rhetoric that they're saying. Um, you know, it's one of my Afghan friends said it, it's it's as if, you know, you've had uh, abusive parents and they put you in foster care and then suddenly they say, well, your parents have apologized. We're returning you uh, to the abusers. People don't trust that. Uh, and so far in the past couple of weeks, uh, the Taliban have not, not really established uh, a track record that would suggest that they've changed. They've named a government that is not representative, that has no women uh, in the cabinet, that doesn't have uh, the um, minority of the Hazara minority ethnicity in it. Uh, they've been cracking down. There's reports of women getting injured and getting killed in the protests yesterday. Uh, they've already segregated classrooms. Women journalists I speak to say that they've been told they can't appear on air anymore uh, as um, newscasters. So uh, the track record so far, just in the, in, as even the world's, uh, you know, attention is focused on them, it has not been great. Farnaz, thank you so much for giving us such a, a comprehensive and, and thoughtful uh, lay of the land of what's going on. Uh, where can our listeners go to keep up with you and all of your writing as you tell these important stories on the ground? Thank you, Randy. Pleasure to be with you. I write for The New York Times, so you can follow my stories uh, on The New York Times website. You can also follow me on Twitter, where I uh, post regularly updates uh, of uh, Afghanistan and the region. Excellent. Thank you so much, Farnaz. Uh, I really hope things improve in the region. I think we all do. And uh, thank you for sharing your time today. Thank you very much. Pleasure. That was Farnaz Fasihi, New York Times reporter focusing on the situation in Afghanistan, especially uh, the uncertain future for women in Afghanistan right now. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 